Hey, welcome back, everybody. As uh, the hump day is here, we're going to get you through for the next three hours. Along with Adrian Broadus, Jason Spam Craig, I'm Steve Kaplow. It's good to have you back. 600 ESPN El Paso. Our number is 505-6009, 505-6009. I'm not going to spend much time on Spam today. That was yesterday's show. I will say this. I will say this. I was answering um, listener tweets yesterday, and um, I have decided, Adrian, that despite my um, you know feelings that I would did not shy away from on the show yesterday, I did it. I did say that um, if the Milliken family invites me to their house one breakfast morning, I'll be there to eat um, nice. eat the uh, burritos. I'll do that. Okay, okay. That's fine. And then I also told Garrett at Yancey1389, you bring uh, that stuff into the station during the show, we'll all eat it on air. <laughs> I love it, Steve. I love the fact that uh, our listeners have convinced you maybe to try it in their fashion. Uh, we're burrito yes. guys over here at the at the 600 ESPN El Paso headquarters, so uh, I might have to get that invite. I might have to be the plus one, maybe Jason the plus two with uh, the Milliken household. I will say this. I will say this, okay? Uh, I don't care how good it is. It will not beat um, a Machaca breakfast burrito from Lucy's, which was brought to the station today. Thanks wow. to uh, Nico's dad over there at the Q Morning Show. Brought a few over. Uh, there was an extra one. I said, thank you very much. And uh, I still say pound for pound, one of the greatest burritos of all time. Oh, 100%. Uh, there's no argument on my end for, for that. Um, whenever it comes to any kind of breakfast burritos over there at Lucy's, it can never go wrong, but Machaca always reigns supreme. We are so blessed that... Lucy's by King's X is walking distance to the station. That could be like the greatest thing ever for us here. Although I will say this, the um, burritos next door are also really, really good. Yeah. Shout out La Chimena, right? She does a great job at La Chimena. Terrific. So that's the burritos are good. So is the, um, you know, so is their breakfast in general. They're, uh, you know, I mean, does it uh, huevos rancheros are delicious too? Can't go wrong. No, so. you can never go wrong. I'll, I'll tell you this: on a uh, day where you forget breakfast, or a day that you just feel a little extra hungry, you just walk three steps and you get you get a good breakfast burrito over here by the station. I always think, like, what if my dad doesn't move the family in 1978 from Long Island to El Paso? What if we stuck around in New York? Do you realize how deprived I would be? of not getting a chance to enjoy the greatest Mexican food on the planet for the last 40-plus years. Like, I think about this. I really do. Like, had I stayed in New York, yeah, you know, I would have been eating a lot of more pastrami corned beef probably than I do here. That's for sure. And some other things. But the truth is, is that, um, you know, I would never even know Good Mexican food. If it hit me in the face, I wouldn't have any idea. So the beauty of El Paso is thanks to um, the family move in the summer of 78, I have now spent nearly 45 years enjoying what is without a doubt the best 
Mexican food in the world. It, it is not even close. And I've had Albuquerque. I've, uh, I've, uh, you know, I've tried, I've tried Mexico. I've gone all of it. But oh wait, wait, hang on. Jason is waving his hand like some lunatic in the uh, in in the control room right now. What what's uh, what's up, Jason? You've had Mexican food in Cali too, right? I'm not saying it's better, but Mexican food in El Paso is literally top notch. It is top notch. I've had Cali. Yeah, I wasn't impressed. Whenever I go any place out of El Paso and somebody says let's do Mexican, I look at them and go, yeah. eh, really? Yeah. Sure. I mean, can is there, can we try something else? Like, I mean. If you've had the best, why do you even bother going some other place? You don't. You don't mess with it. You're just wasting money at that point. Um, the things that frustrate me are, you know, you go to East Texas and they're like, hey, you want to try some Mexican food? And it's just Tex-Mex, man. And you're just so disappointed at that at that level. Um, you know, Paso, we're so blessed. We've got great local spots that serve unbelievable Mexican food. Breakfast, lunch, or dinner, this is the best place for food on the planet. 100% agree. Don't even think about it. No, uh, I mean, you can't try to convince me otherwise. You just can't. You absolutely can't. So in that regard, yes, um, you know, I'm very thankful, very thankful. First off, I love this city. I love the people. Um, I, I just, you know, growing up here, I love everything about El Paso. I mean, you, if, you, if you ever wanted a good ambassador, I'm, I'm your man. That is for sure. So uh, we got a good show lined up for you today. Tons of baseball to get to. Trade deadline, the Trout News today. Um, you know, you look at all the other storylines making headlines right now. This is a... Uh, and 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 uh, Jay Jaffe's Hall of Fame review of what it was like in Cooperstown last weekend. Jaff's going to be with us. Baseball, beer, all coming up on the program in our uh, first uh, hour of the show. Then Jeff Erickson, some fantasy take. We'll do that coming up at the 5 o'clock hour. And then uh, Adrian is going to join us. Adrian Duran, there is a big golf tournament that's going to be happening on Saturday, and we're going to talk to Adrian about that, benefiting a charity that he is uh, very much a part of. So that'll be coming up at 6 o'clock as well. All right. Uh, meanwhile, there was CUSA Media Day in football today. And that was out there in Fort Worth at Globe Life Park. That's where they set it up today. Interesting setup. You know, CUSA, they do things a little different. Nothing like getting a media day in a ballpark, a baseball park, but that's what they did. And uh, Adrian, uh, you had a chance to watch the UTEP uh, portion. Uh, give me a little sample of what it was like. Yeah, it, it was interesting. So they had uh, a couple different things. So first off, ESPN Plus put together this like two hour plus. Um, I, I guess it was kind of like a little breakdown. They had their host uh, who did a fantastic job, actually knew his stuff for UTEP, which was good uh, to watch. He interviewed uh, Dana Dimmel, Gavin Hardison, Praise and Mayhule, who are the three representatives from the minors who went out there to Frisco uh, to be a part of this media day and then he did the same with every other school but however that one wasn't available on demand they ended up sending us the media scrum it was kind of like a press conference mm -hmm. media scrum between uh, the three members I just mentioned and then they also had breakout sessions so you had guys like the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine uh, who interviewed all three of those uh, people individually from UTEP you had uh, guys like at the roost who join us also they're the Rice Owls uh, beat writers they interviewed a lot of UTEP guys and they ask questions as well. So just a lot of different opportunities for these guys to be seen uh, across different media outlets. And, hey, you know. And then also our receiver position. We lost a couple quality receivers, and we brought in a lot of athleticism and talent there as well. So our big thrust during camp is going to be evaluating our improvement there. 
as I mentioned, we have plenty of athletic uh, ability at both those slots, and now we need to get playmakers to step up and take advantage of the athletic ability. So I feel like we'll be a more talented, more athletic team this year. And again, we start our season with seven straight games. So we start zero week with a conference game, which is really unusual. It's been a while for me as a coach since we've done that. And so, you know, we're not going to put too much emphasis on that game. It's just another game, but it comes quickly, and we know conference games are important. And then the week after that, we go to Oklahoma and play play the Sooners. So great start to our season. Looking forward to it. And, and our team's, you know, going to get themselves ready to go. And, and, and the biggest thing I'm looking for is to build depth on our football team as we go through camp. Questions again, raise your hand in person, use the raise hand function on Zoom, and remind you to state your name and affiliation before asking your question. Let's go third row and then we'll come back to second row. Coach Eric Henry, SB Nation, want to kind of piggyback off what you just mentioned there about building depth. When you took over the program, obviously relied heavily on the Juncos and transfers. Where do you feel you're at now, you know, entering this year as far as truly having depth on your roster and not needing to kind of insert guys and plug and play immediately? Yeah, I think you hit it, you know, right on the head there. We're putting good on good now. You know, that's how we say it. It's a lot different when you're putting good on good and you can really tweak the positions where you need to get better. And so we feel like we found our niche. You know, and I think that's always an important thing when you take over a program is you have to learn the culture of the university and what fits in that at that university. And so we found our niche. It's been a niche that we've been comfortable with in the past at other places I've been with the junior college players and then getting, you know, really good high school players as well. You know, we have a really good high school player in praise that's here with me today. Gavin, who is a junior college player, we've done a really good job of, of doing both, I feel like, that fit UTEP and, and can get and do well there. And so for us right now, it's just developing that depth. And, and to me, that depth is there because the athleticism is there, but we need those guys now to accelerate their pace of play. One quick follow-up. I was wondering if you could talk about the development of your quarterback. I was like- yeah, for in our system, you know, we have a very expansive system. It's a system that's been in place since University of Iowa. I mean, it goes way back. And we started at Kansas State. We just continued to tweak it, you know, and it's been a system that can throw the ball well if we need to, a system that can run the ball well. It's a system that can run the quarterback well. just depends what your talent set is. And so what we do each year is, is identify what the talent of our football team is. And so this year with Gavin, coming back he's able to get us with experience at our quarterback position he's able to get us into plays at the line of scrimmage line of scrimmage he has complete freedom to check any play he needs to check and so that's where that's where his game will really start to show itself this year he'll start to do a better job of you know he's done a much better job of throughout camp throughout spring of recognizing defenses and getting us into the things we need to get into and so he has complete autonomy to do that uh, Mike Craven, Dave Campbell's uh, coach. There wasn't a lot of expectations going into last year, the year before. This year, there are a lot more expectations. How do you go about addressing that with your team and kind of keeping them, you know, from looking back on last year's? Yeah, Mike, that's a huge, huge thing for us this year. You know, now we're in a whole different role of expectations for our football team. And so for us, we can't take anything for granted, right? That's a, obviously coach speak, but we really can't. we got to make sure that each and every day we're coming in locked and focused. And what I've seen from our team so far is I've seen some of our elite players, some of our marquee players is probably the best word to use right there on our roster. I've seen them elevate their games, and that
that to me is showing us that we're not in that position to take anything for granted. Everybody's trying to get themselves. They've got the taste of what victory feels like. They got the taste of what a bowl game feels like. They got the taste of what six and one start feels like. And so I think now that they've tasted that, they understand, hey, for us to get to the point we need to get to, we're going to have to really push our game to another level. Good stuff. We'll hear more from both Dana Dimmel and members of the Miners. But up next, Jay Jaffe. Going to talk some baseball and a little bit later some beer. Stay with us. 16 pass. Good to have you here. Sports Talk continues after Charlie won with traffic. 600 ESPN El Paso. All right. 20 pass as we continue here on Sports Talk. Back from Cooperstown and here to talk some baseball with us on the show. And a little beer later is Jay Jaffe. Our resident uh, weekly baseball analyst from Fangraphs.com. You can follow Jay on Twitter at Jay underscore Jaffe. And check out all of his work. Replacement level killers. That's the story uh, right now that Jay has started up at at, uh, Fangraphs. Uh, Good to have you back. Uh, Let's uh, get the review from Cooperstown. How was it this year? Uh, It was a lot of fun. It was... um... You know, a, uh, a a great weekend. I think uh, so many long-awaited uh, candidates finally going in. A bit of bittersweetness that uh, Buck O'Neill and Minnie Minoso and um, um, oh, I'm blanking here. Uh, you know, that uh, Gil Hodges, you mm-hmm. know, did not live to see their inductions into the Hall of Fame. A lot of uh, uh, people had waited a long time to see this day. Um, but you know the the speeches were poignant, and uh, there was a lot of joy over over who got in. And uh, boy, uh, David Ortiz sure brought out a pretty big crowd. And um, yeah, I, I had a great time up there. I got to do some pretty cool stuff. Did you stay at the uh, Hotel uh, Otisaga? No, I don't get to stay there. Um, that's for uh, the Hall of Famers and the and the. Uh, uh, award honorees, and uh, that's 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 not uh, that's above my pay grade right now. Um, I stayed with uh, I stayed with uh, a friend of mine, uh, the former mayor of Cooperstown, and oh, nice. uh, uh, that was a lot of fun. We have we 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 have a good time every year. All I know is I saw that photo you tweeted out from the Otisaga that you were there, and with the lake right out, oh, it looked it looked absolutely gorgeous. Oh yeah, no the um, the uh, the BBWA. Uh, sponsored a celebration for Tim Kirkchin, who won uh, this year's Lifetime Achievement Award, and uh, that that hotel uh, view is just really unbeatable. It's uh, um, something I got to do a couple years ago for the first time. Going back to see it, uh, uh, really just neat stuff. Nice. And uh, again, you mentioned all the fans coming out to see Big Poppy. Do you put Ortiz on your list of uh, Mount Rushmore of Red Sox players? I mean. I, I don't know. I, I like. I don't really think that, think of things in those terms too much. Um, you know, I think you'd you'd probably put uh, Pedro before him, um, Ted Williams, Carl Yastrzemski. Obviously, yep. I don't know. I don't know who else. Um, certainly, the uh, the the role in the three championships though uh, probably makes a case for Ortiz as opposed to uh, Pedro only being part of the one. Um, but. Uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of other great players you could probably uh, uh, put in, you know, put in there as well as as uh, as candidates. See, it's hard. Fisk plays ten years there, and then he goes to the White Sox and spends the second half of his career. So Fisk is difficult. Uh, what about a guy like Clemens? I mean, yeah, you can make a case for him. You know, certainly uh, uh, he pretty much earned uh, a Hall of Fame berth based on based on what he what he did there before going on to. 
uh, the to the uh, Blue Jays and then the Yankees and Astros and racking up even more Cy Young awards. Yep, exactly. But I agree with you. I think that uh, Pedro, along with Yaz and Ted Williams, are no brainers. That fourth spot's tough, though. And you know, Big Poppy is definitely a, a popular one, as as was his speech. But there were some emotional uh, stories. I thought the uh, the speech from Gil Hodges' daughter was terrific. Yeah, that was one of that was one of the best speeches. I mean, it just you know talked about Gil Hodges the man more than Gil Hodges the player, and and uh, um, you know he was uh, uh, an admirable character, and and obviously had a big impact uh, not just on those Dodgers teams but also on the the Mets teams he managed. Um, and he's in there uh, in, in the hall as much for the uh, 1969 Miracle Mets as anything. I would think you get VIP treatment like there's nobody else at these events because think about it. You have created a metric for weighing Hall of Fame value amongst everybody who's ever played the game. If that is not a legacy to be pretty proud of, I don't know what is. So when you show up at Cooperstown for Hall of Fame weekend, uh, I can imagine that that most people probably, A, know who you are already, and B, uh, it's got to be just incredible for you to be around all these immortals. Yeah, you know, it, it is pretty. It is pretty great, and um, you know, as acceptance of, of of the stuff that I've done has uh, has spread, you know, within the voting body, I, I do get to have you know have uh, uh, access some cool stuff and have some cool conversations. I went to the uh, the Mini Minoso party um, uh, the night uh, before inductions, and that was really great. Um, you know, the 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 celebration for. Uh, uh, for him was was uh, was very special to be part of, and uh, got to do the Hall of Fame cocktail party in the in the in the plaque gallery. And yeah, you're right there next you're right there next to all the Hall of Famers. Your baseball card collection come to life practically. And um, looking at some of those plaques, the guys that uh, uh, I've promoted uh, through my work is is, is always going to be really special to me. And so um, that's uh, 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 just a really gratifying experience. Um, I've been to the Hall of Fame on multiple occasions. I've never been on induction weekend. You tell me. If you are a baseball fan, I know visiting the Hall is a must, but do you need to go at least once during a uh, induction weekend? I would say do it if it me- if the player who's getting inducted means a lot to you. It's a lot of logistical hurdles to deal with. Um, you know, you're not necessarily going to get to stay anywhere close. I knew people who were staying 30, 45 minutes away. Um, you know, which is, you know, which is, which is kind of tough. Uh, but, um, if it means enough to you, yes, I would say you, you got to go if there's a player that really, that really does mean something to you, or if you're lucky enough to have uh, somebody who can put you up in town. That's fair. That is definitely fair. Hey, uh, meanwhile, with the news about Mike Trout today, uh, especially knowing that he has a rare spinal condition that could affect him for the rest of his career. Um, first off, he's already been in the All-Stars 10 times during his career. If Mike Trout never played another game again, is he a can't-miss first ballot Hall of Famer? I think so. I mean, you've got three, three-time three MVP, uh, pretty much unequivocally the best player in the game over over that range of time. I have him already fifth in Jaws among center fielders, um, you know, which is pretty incredible. I mean, just for how little time he played, and he's been fifth for a couple of years now. Um, it's just remarkable how quickly he got up the charts there. But then, you know, when you're putting together nine, ten win seasons uh, as he has, then uh, uh, you are gonna you are gonna be 
uh, in that upper echelon. Only Willie Mays, Ty Cobb, Tris Speaker, and Mickey Mantle outrank him in Jaws. He's already ahead of Ken Griffey Jr. and Joe DiMaggio. Wow. Um, that's how that's how good he is. Uh, and then uh, he's third in the uh, peaks component, the best seven years behind only Mays and Cobb, ahead of Mantle. Um, just you know, I hope I hope that we haven't seen the last of Mike Trout as a great player. Um, you know, I think that. Uh, um, you know, obviously, this is not a great, uh, uh, great news today, and will remain remains to be seen uh, exactly what kind of an impact it, it, it's having on him. But uh, uh, you know, he'd been playing pretty great at times this year, and uh, uh, remain hopeful that this is uh, not uh, as as dire as it seems. He said today, "My career is not over," so that's important enough. But meanwhile, if you're the Angels and you get news about Trout today, do you suddenly rethink the uh, opportunity to maybe uh, explore trading Shohei Otani, especially with all the interest that uh, Cruz is getting right now out there? I'm sorry, Cruz. Um, Soto is getting out there in Washington. Um, you know, it might be something to think about, but. Uh... Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think uh, you know more. More to the point, I think you have to think about um, you know what kind of uh, you know w- you know w- what kind of contract you would consider offering Otani if you if you're going to try to convince him to stay. I mean, that's um, you know they they if if Trout is not the force that he is, what else do you do with the team? I don't know. Um, I do think though that there's, it's possible that something that some you know something. Uh, regarding Trout could be covered under insurance. I don't know if the Angels have an, have an insurance policy on his back. It wouldn't surprise me, given a $400 million contract, if they did. Um, I hope for their sake that they do, if that's, if that's what it comes to. But uh, that would mean him not playing at all, which would, which would be really terrible. More with Jay as we keep things moving here on Sports Talk, but it is the bottom of the hour. We'll get his beer pick in just a moment. But first, let's go to Adrian and get this bottom of the hour Sports Center update. Adrian, thank you very much. Okay, we keep things moving right now with Jay Jaffe from Fangraphs here on Sports Talk. All right, uh, this is kind of piggybacking off that last question involving Otani. Uh, if you were starting a baseball team right now, a baseball franchise, who would you start building it with? Would you build it with Juan Soto or would you build it with Shohei Otani? Boy, that's a good question. I mean, obviously Otani gets you... Uh, one excellent hitter and one excellent pitcher, so it's tough not to think about starting uh, the franchise with him. Um, yeah, he's only maybe you know a top fifteen hitter and only maybe a top fifteen pitcher or something like that. Maybe top ten. You you can uh, um, you know you can define it on however you want, but still, one player able to do those two things is absolutely remarkable. Um, so yeah, I think I probably would consider starting my my team with him. Uh, yeah, I think Juan Soto's a great choice too. Um, but he feels kind of one dimensional, doesn't he? After we're talking about Otani, he does. Although he's twenty three years old, and you just kind of wonder when he's Otani's age and, and hits his late twenties, uh, what's going to happen then, and and just how much better is he going to get? Yeah, it, it really is something to think about. I mean, he's he's. Uh, uh, up there with the best hitters uh, uh, through age 23 of all time, and uh, you know just inner circle Hall of Famers, and and it's just it's exciting to think that what you know what could be in store. Um, you know I don't know how much better a guy can get given given where he is. The one thing I would say is you know he's not a he's not a great defender. Uh, he's not. Uh, and I do do have some long term concerns about you know how much time he's going to be as a 
maybe a, a, a DH type or a kind of a slow-moving corner outfielder down the road. But, you know, for, that's, that, that should be a long way away for, for a guy who's 23. Yeah. Yep, I'm with you on that one. All right, uh, Jay, meanwhile, trade deadline's coming up in less than a week. You tell me. Um, if I had to just, you know, gut feeling, is Soto a lock to be traded? Uh, are the Nationals uh, going to unload him? It sounds to me like all reports say they've been getting some big-time offers. They also said they're not going to, to lose their return by including Corbin or Strasburg. They'd much rather get a better return and keep those two. Yeah, if they if they do that, I think it's I think it's possible. I mean, I I I think he'll be traded. I I, I think the one thing I would say is, um, you know, if if they did wait until after the season, they could probably get some more clarity on the Yankees' involvement. The Yankees are sort of, you know, at a bit of a crossroads here because they've got Aaron Judge uh, as a as a pending free agent. I don't think you can sign Judge and reasonably expect to retain Soto. So emptying the farm system to get him for two years. Um, might not be the most prudent thing. You know, if you only had to have one, um, maybe Soto's the way to go uh, because he is seven years younger than Judd and, uh, you know, every bit as good, if not better, as a hitter, but not necessarily as good uh, on the uh, fielding side. You've started your replacement-level killer series, and what this essentially means is uh, players at each position whose performances has, as you've called it, dragged their teams down in tight races, known as the replacement-level killers. Now, this all began about 15 years ago for you, didn't it? Yeah, it's something that I originally did for a book when I was a baseball prospectus. Uh, we did a book on on pennant races that I was uh, proud to be a part of, and uh, it's a it's a concept that I have revisited uh, several times at Sports Illustrated as well as uh, um, at, at, at FanGraphs. It's been an annual staple of my coverage at FanGraphs, and uh, um, I think it's a useful way to look at you know the biggest. Uh, uh, the biggest holes on contending teams, um, the ones that, boy, you know, you're kind of going to kind of wish you plugged that hole if you end up one game short because uh, this this is getting not even the bare minimum of production. Um, you should be able to find upgrades just about anywhere, including your farm system. Meanwhile, uh, for a team as good as the Astros, they really lack at first base. I'm using them as an example because uh, first base for them is is provided a, a 230 batting average right now, um, and and a wins above replacement of negative point one. That is also a reason why a lot of people believe the Astros could very well be adding a first baseman at the deadline. Yeah, Yuli Gurriel had a great year last year, but boy, he's been pretty bad this year. And I don't know, I can't remember if there's an injury involved. I don't think there is, but uh, uh, he is 37, 38 years old. And, and uh, um, you know, father time comes for, for us all. So um, they're going to have to do something about that. They're also on the list for catchers, which I'm working on right now. That'll be tomorrow's installment. Um, I suspect that they will look for uh, players that they can add. Uh, I know that they're, they've... Uh, uh, expressed interest in in uh, Wilson Contreras, um, who you know is seen as uh, uh, a, ca- a bat first catcher who can probably play other positions. So um, he could be one to watch because if he can catch some days and help out at first base some days, uh, that could be uh, an impact player for the Astros. Again, uh, this is all up at, at Fangraphs.com with, uh, with Jay Jaffe and his replacement-level killer series. All right, let's wrap it up here. Pick of the week. What would you like to talk about this week, Jay? 
Okay, um, let's see. I had a lot of good beer at the uh, at, at, uh, at Cooperstown, but uh, it seems only appropriate to uh, highlight one of the Oma Gang Breweries beers. Uh, this is a Cooperstown-based brewery. I've still never made it out to the brewery, even though it's only a few miles away from the Hall of Fame itself, uh, because I am so busy in Cooperstown for the short time that I am there. Uh, but this is their Neon Rainbows IPA. I had it uh, uh, a couple times, including at that... Uh, 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 on the veranda of the Hotel Otisaga. Uh, it was definitely better than the big poppy uh, Pilsner that, that I was given that tasted more like an ale and uh, wasn't, uh, maybe wasn't the, uh, the, the best uh, beer ever brewed. But this Neon Rainbows, it's a New England-style IPA. It's got a ton of hops in it, Mosaic, Simcoe, Citra, Centennial, and Topaz, uh, also in primary hopping and in dry hopping for most of those. And uh, it's a 6.7 ABV beer, uh, fruity and hazy and uh, uh, very pleasant drinking. Big poppy pilsner, huh? It, it, Steve, it tasted more like an amber ale. I, I couldn't figure it out. I was like, did this go off? Maybe I mean, it was, so. dr- it was drinkable, but it wasn't, it wasn't a pilsner. Wow, and Oma Gang came out with that one or somebody else? No, no, that was something that was... Uh, uh, I believe that was the uh, Cooperstown Beverage Company or Cooperstown Brewing Company, the one that's right on Main Street there. Gotcha, gotcha. All right. Well, listen, I'm happy you enjoyed one out of those. It sounds like you've got a lot. Uh, Oma Gang makes great stuff, so there's no doubt about that. Yeah. Um, happy you're back. Great to have you back with our regular spot. We'll do it again next Wednesday, Jay. Thanks for the time. All right. Sounds great, Steve. Take care. Jay Jaffe, folks, as we continue 39 Pass, back with more in a moment. Sports Talk continues, 600 ESPN El Paso. Six Pass, as we continue here on Sports Talk. Going to be a busy show today, a lot in store for you on a Wednesday. Jeff Erickson's still to come. Adrian Duran's going to join us, give us his thoughts on a big golf tournament coming up uh, here uh, this weekend. Good chance to do that as well. So, yeah, a lot, to, lot in store. A lot in store. Wonder what he could be talking about today. We'll find out. Adrian's movie reviews come uh, our way during sports talk each and every afternoon. Brought to you by Alamo Drafthouse. Adrian, uh, take it away. Thank you, Steve. And thanks to Alamo Drafthouse. They've got their season pass going on right now. You can watch unlimited films at either their west or their east locations. It's just $16.99 a month, and you can get started online at drafthouse.com. Twins is the movie that I'll be reviewing today. It's another Arnold film, and this one with Danny DeVito. And this time, it's not about action. It's not about him slicing and dicing people. This is a comedy film, which is uh, a pretty interesting one, to say the least. Julius and Vincent are twin brothers who are the result of a secret experiment. If you know Arnold, if you know Danny DeVito, those two look nothing, nothing alike. Six fathers to produce the perfect child, and the birth mom was told that one son died at birth. And never told about the other one. Well, Vincent, who is played by DeVito, uh, it was placed in an orphanage. He grew up and he became kind of like this little ragtag criminal who ended up having a lot of loans and debts behind him. Julius was raised by a scientist. This is Arnold. And he grew up as a perfect, perfect person. Uh, and the scientist ended up telling him, hey, look, you've got a long lost twin brother and you also have a mom. Uh, 
as well. So both Julius and Vincent, um, you know, they, they kind of meet up in L.A. They they think that their mom passed away and they didn't get along at first. But then Vincent uh, finally believes Julius after a long time. They both discover that their birth mother's actually in Santa Fe. So they uh, have this uh, delivery idea that on the way uh, for Vincent to try to pay off all the debts that he's assembled, they'll try to stop in Santa Fe and rekindle their relationship with their mom. So mom's at an art colony. She pretends to not know who they are and pretends to tell them that their actual birth mom died, not believing their stories. Well, Vincent goes off to Houston to make that delivery. Julius uses twin uh, telepathy and he finds uh, Vincent over there. Kind of a ridiculous film. I mean, really, it's it's just hilarious back and forth. Make the delivery, make some money. At the end, they rekindle the relationship with the mom. Everybody's happy. Uh, kind of, it's just a silly film. I'm a big DeVito fan, so I kind of come into this one as, uh, with a lot of bias. Uh, I'm a huge It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia fan, so I love Danny DeVito. A uh, couple quick uh, you know, facts out of this one. Arnold, get the, this is this is a really interesting one. Arnold was so worried about this comedy. He took he told the film producers at the beginning that he would not take a cent uh, to start things off with this film. In fact, he wanted to pr- uh, profit off the actual success or failure of the film. So once the movie actually rolled out, that's where he received his profits off of it. Uh, and the three, and I'm talking also about Danny DeVito and uh, Ivan Reitman, uh, they also made similar deals based off what Arnold decided. So they all got together and uh, yeah, they did that. Um, Arnold later said back in 2016, kind of reflecting off this story, that his decision into, quote, investing in himself by trying comedy really paid off in the end. After this film, uh, you have movies like Kindergarten Cop and, you know, that that's what made things possible. Um, they were thinking of doing a remake actually this year called Triplets, and they were going to include Tracy Morgan into the mix oh as uh, DeVito's long lost triplet brother. Um, however, Reitman died this past year, leaving the status of the film unclear. Uh, it, it's a silly film. I, I was thinking about this one. I was like, ah, four out of ten bananas. This one's not that funny. But I'm a big Danny DeVito guy, so that's a, a two bananas right there for Danny DeVito. This one gets six out of ten bananas for me. All right. I loved Twins. All right. I always did. I, I would give it seven out of ten. A little higher than you, but you got to realize something, yeah. okay? He was hot in this time. Both of them, right? Yes. Arnold and Danny, huh? You know, Schwarzenegger um, had had d- already done The Terminator, not the second one yet, but then he had Running Man, he had Predator, uh, you know, and then two years later he had Total Recall. So, I mean, this is a big deal. And this movie was, I, mean, I always thought this movie was funny. I liked it. Uh, what about you? Um, now, this is interesting because, um, you know, you gave it 7 out of 10. I'll give it 8 out of 10. What about you, Jason? It's one of my uh, one of my top films of all time. Wow! There you go. One of my top films. Me and my friend dressed up as twins. Nice. Uh, they th- we wore black because we couldn't find cream suits. They thought we were men in black. We're like, no, we're twins, and we did the pose and everything. Uh, this gets eight for me. 
Good eight. for you. All right. So uh, Jason and I both give it eight. You give it seven. Yeah, your review is the only one that really matters because this is your segment, not yeah. ours. But I'm happy you like twins. You know, I'll just say this. I- I've watched a lot of Arnold films, so maybe I'm just getting a little fatigued there uh, based off all the ones that, have o- that are on this list. So, yeah, I'll-, I'll just say it there. And also, you know, I was kind of uh, comparing it to Kindergarten Cop, and I loved Kindergarten Cop. So that one, you know, for me, that one gets the, the nod as far as comedies go. As we wrap up our number one, have you heard the story that apparently, according to Dennis Dodd, Big Ten could be looking to go to 20 or more schools and possibly add Washington, Oregon, Cal, and Stanford? Oh, man, that's hilarious. Wow, Steve. We were just uh, talking yesterday with our good friend Rich with Tim Haggerty, and he was telling us maybe uh, Oregon and Washington would be the dominoes that would fall. If Oregon, Washington end up going to the Big Ten, then you can probably kiss the Pac-12 goodbye. Maybe a couple end up being acquired by the Big 12, and we've just got this massive Big Ten conference, Big uh, 20 conference at that point, right? Could you imagine – and they're saying 20 or more. What are they in now, 16? I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not sure what they're at right now. I, I got to do the, do the numbers, but that's crazy. I thought the Big 12, I, thought, I mean, I thought the Big 10 was at 14 last year, and now they're going to add USC and UCLA to get to 16. I might be wrong on no, that. No, that sounds right. That, that sounds right. Let me see here. Hang on. Let me count uh, how many the Big 10 had a year ago in football. All right, so we've got... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. They had fourteen. Okay, Big Ten had fourteen. Two more will be uh, the two schools uh, from the Pac-12, USC and UCLA. That makes sixteen. And yeah, if they go, if they go twenty or more, that is just. That's an enormous – what are they trying to do, get bigger than the SEC? Yeah, I, I don't understand. So I get the Oregon-Washington, right? I don't understand the Cal side of things. I guess maybe a travel partner for Stanford. Is that the best guess that you could have there? Well, here's the sad part, okay? If this happens, if this happens, and the Big 12 takes the two Arizona schools um, along with um, you know Utah and um, Colorado, and Colorado then the only schools left are what? Washington State and Oregon State? Welcome to the Conference USA. Conference of Champions. <laughs> it probably will be. I wouldn't be surprised. Where else are they going to go? Maybe the Mountain West picks them up. Yeah. That makes more sense because then you could add then you could add Oregon State and Washington State to the whole portfolio that already has Fresno State and, and, uh, and, and other schools like Boise State. I could see that. I actually could see a scenario where they get absorbed by the Mountain West. Oh, man, that is just so disheartening for the Pac-12 and for Pac-12 fans right yep. there. I, I think that you know if the Pac-12 was smart, they would have been way more aggressive to try to add more teams during this pro and more schools during this process but instead they've waited and it looks like some of their members are continuously uh to get poached right here and they could dissolve into nothing it's unbelievable all right that's going to wrap up our number one when we come back plenty more to get to including jeff erickson a little bit later your phone calls your tweets stay with us sports talk at 600 espn el paso all right welcome back everybody start of our number two He's Adrian Broadus. We've also uh, have uh, Jason Craig hanging out right now. What is Jason wearing? His Angels cap? Is that what he's got on today? Angels, That's huh? exactly right. Wow, he's rocking the trout look after the news for trout today. Tough day today for the Angels. What do you do if you're the Angels? Do you trade? Do you try to shop around Shohei Otani knowing that Mike Trout might never be the same? I don't think so. 
I, I no. Why not? You can get a fortune for a hit, ton. Hit the rebuild. <laughs> hit the rebuild. Get ready for the next uh, the next uh, couple of generational stars to come with you. Right? Rebuild. They've been rebuilding for the last ten years. Yeah. This team never gets any better. Yeah, I can't. We can't get rid of them right now. I mean, they're forty-two and fifty-six. They're fourteen games under five hundred. So I know we say rebuild, but when you've been underperforming with Mike Trout and Shohei Otani these last couple of years, maybe it's time to get a haul like uh, like what what could happen right now with Washington and Soto and uh, and and really cash out. Yeah, and that that would be real interesting because we've seen some of the rumors as far as what Juan Soto will warrant once this trade materializes. Can you imagine what you could get in return for Shohei Otani, who can play a a versatile both pitcher and a batter for you and is maybe like uh, Jay said a top 10 pitcher when it's all said and done and maybe one of the uh, faces of your franchise if you trade for him still a lot of jerseys right there put a lot of butts in seats that's true that is true Uh, by the way apparently the Cardinals could be suddenly the favorites to land uh, Soto. How about wow. that? A, good, a deep farm team. But, hey, the Cardinals have a lot of other problems rather than just upgrading, you know, with, with Soto, Steve. They got, they've got to solve problems with pitching. They, they've got to solve problems at other positions. I, I don't know if Juan Soto fixes everything for them. He doesn't. He doesn't. Something we'll talk more about with Jeff Erickson coming up a little bit later in the hour when he joins us at 20 past. We played some of the audio from ESPN's uh, Media Day today for conference. French USA in football involving UTEP. We cut it off uh, during the Dana Dimmel press conference. Want to let you go back earlier today. Globe Life Park is where the media gathered for CUSA Football Media Day. Here's more of the UTEP preview. Your time for your program, and there's so much going on around you in the conference. Yeah, we've really, and it's it's really true, and I think it's just the nature of my personality, is that we've tried to stay locked into things we can control, right? You know, I've been at places, I've never been at places where we had ultimate control over things. You know, I've been at the Kansas States and the Wyomings and the Houstons and, and the Arizonas where we haven't been that huge player in a conference, but we've always seemed to be able to, to, to be have good football teams. So our big thing is just don't worry about the things you can't control because right now if we worried about that, it would destroy from what we're doing right now you know we know that you know we're, the biggest thing we had great attendance last year in El Paso we, we play in a great stadium we're expecting a sellout for our first game I think we've sold like 36,000 so we are controlling our own fate right now and by doing that good things happen to you in, in conference you know people want to come to to be in your conference and so we feel great about our conference USA I have great history with conference USA I was a head coach in conference USA in 22 years ago right you know so I've been in this conference for a long time and have loyalty to this conference and I'm very proud to be a part of it so that was Dana Dimmel when asked about uh, realignment and what he had to say Steve what do you think I, I it's so interesting because uh, you have to be as political as you can, right? And that's about and, the most political answer you can give. Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, it's so interesting, right, because uh, there are so many different things going on behind the scenes when it comes to realignment. And Conference USA is seeing some members today yeah. at Media Day who won't be there next year. And uh, it's kind of awkward when you when you ha- deal with something like that. People and universities and schools purposely wanting to leave Conference USA to try to better themselves. What's he going to say? Yeah, we want to get out of here and hopefully we can go. I mean, you you know he's not going to say that. Um, I had to laugh about the crowds at the Sun Bowl yeah. last year. They were terrible, but they're going to get better. I think I think the Sun Bowl crowds, listen, if they show up, which they are, for North Texas, you're going to sell that out. 
and they play well, and they don't go to Oklahoma and just get annihilated, then you know what? There's going to be a lot of excitement around here when that New Mexico State and Boise State game, when those games come around. Yeah, I feel like with uh, this UTEP football team, like they... They're probably also comparing it to the road games that they saw in Conference USA. It's not like Conference USA has great attendance across the board. In fact, no. it's pitiful. It's it's a terrible conference when it comes to overall attendance. And if Dana Dimmel's out there on media day saying they got good attendance, yeah, compare it to the rest of the field. No one supports Conference USA football teams. Yeah, what is wasn't UTEP like in the top two or three last year for attendance compared to the rest of the league? Yeah, in both basketball, men's basketball and football. Can you imagine... I mean, attendance is not good here, and it's still near the top of the conference. Doesn't that tell you a little something? And, and by the way, that includes nine schools that are leaving. Leaving. How about that? Yeah, that's that's also just uh, it's reflective of this conference where it's at. How how uh, people still don't really you know follow this conference very much across the board. Some of these uh, schools are still trying to earn fans and trying to get them into the you know into stadiums and stuff like that. You're you're not telling me people are actually watching games at FIU. You're not telling me people are actually going to games at Florida Atlantic. I mean, it's these schools struggle to put butts in seats. No, no, no. You that you can't do that. You just can't. So uh, I'm with you on that one. And uh, no, the more I think about it, and, and Adrian, the more I, I look into you know the situation right now uh, involving Conference USA, I, I am interested to see what um, you know ends up coming about when it's all said and done from uh, you know attendance this upcoming season. I, I, I I'm like a lot of people. What what is it going to be? Are we gonna are we going to see strong crowds uh, here this year? I think if the Miners play well, fans know the marketing has done a good job getting people excited. I think we were there. There, everything is in place right now. Now football just has to do their job. I'm with you on that. This is uh, they've got to hold their end of the bargain here. Uh, actually, you know, I just I, real quick, Steve. I want to direct you. There's a really funny interview that happened today with uh, Praise Mayule regarding attendance, uh, and I think he spent it with some of the guys out at Dave Campbell's. Let's hear it. I already know, man, because like I always have, I always dream about this, you know, as a kid, and just even right now as an adult, you know, I always dream about a. A pack, cause that's so. Walking into the walking into the the Utah facility, mm-hmm. it's a picture on the wall of just like a sold out sambo from like a couple years ago, man. So that image has always been in my head. So just being able to see that and being able to see us bringing it to reality, you know, it's definitely a great feeling. So in my head, I'm I'm just I just want to see the crowd just losing it, man. Like it's a like it's a WWE slash like slash like what's those Coachella? So yeah. it's like a WWE slash Coachella concert, man. I, I need y'all to bring all that energy, man. So just. Being able to go out there and make a play, maybe third down, having a big play, a, a strip sack, just a touchdown, just having the crowd just lose it, man. Yeah. That's what I'm looking forward to seeing, man. And not, not just the week zero, just every every other good home game, you know, y'all go out there and buy your tickets. And I'm not playing either, man. Like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, good. buy your tickets, man. I'm not playing with y'all, for real. You telling that man no? For real. You better not tell me no, man, for real. That is, uh, that is good stuff. WWE meets, so what do you say, Coachella? WWE meets Coachella. That's exactly what he said. That is uh, only one individual can deliver quality um, you know, commentary like that, and, and that's our pal, uh, Praise Amelie. So that's it. Nobody else can do that. Who else would tell you that?
No one. No one at all. Uh, by the way, Steve, I don't know if you're trying to look for the same thing that I am, but I'm trying to look up attendance numbers for Conference USA, uh, and I cannot find anything. I, I'm I'm looking up trying to find uh, where UTEP stacks in the football ranks, and uh, it, it's typical Conference USA, impossible to find anything on their on their site. Um, I'm, let's put it this way. There are... Yeah, their website is without a doubt a um, a challenge is the best way to put it, right? It is a challenge. So I'm on that. I'm looking to, and I'm going to find it. It's going to probably take me all show. I don't think it's going to be easy until then, but I will figure out a way to find this, Adrian. It's going to happen. You know that, right? Yeah, we're, gonna, we're both going to find it somehow, um, and then we're going to stack it up and see where UTEP ranks among everybody else. Maybe the league is so embarrassed about the uh, <laughs> attendance totals, they try to hide it. You think it's possible? I that think they've that's done very that? possible. Yes, I think that's very possible. Uh, they they probably use uh, you know used attendance as far as arguments for schools like Southern Miss to depart from Conference USA. So maybe uh, uh, Judy made a call over to the stats people on their website and said, "Hey, can you hide the attendance numbers for a little bit?" It's possible that that could be the case. So I don't know, man. I'm with you on that one. I'm uh, I'm confused, but what else is new? That's just the way things are around uh, Conference USA. Trying to actually get the handle of uh, of, of of how things were uh, from a year ago in football. I see every other stat but attendance. You know that every other stat is there. Now, granted, um, I'm looking on the CUSA website, so it's not exactly like I'm going on some strange website to try to find it. You would think when you see the full battery of stats that attendance would be in there. You would right? think so. Yeah, you you definitely would. Uh, I thought miscellaneous, that's where it would lie. Um, I've seen that's it there where before. I I, you know, and I've seen it there before. I which think is, they removed it. I think, I they, did think too. they removed it purposely, which is so weird, but it's so CUSA if that's the truth. Yeah, and uh, we, we I, I, I know that we need to make those shirts like trademarks, Steve. It's the CUSA way. It's such a CUSA thing, and uh, that's exactly what, what we're finding out right here. Yeah, please. I mean, look, I've got time of possession, right? I've got every – now I'm on – I've already passed all the team stats. Now I'm on individual stats. I, I feel like it is futile trying to find it on the CUSA, on the CUSA website. I feel like we're going to have to find it someplace else. It's the only way. I, I think, I, I mean, I'm on Google. I didn't even go to the CUSA. I just, you know, did my my youngster thing and just, hey, Google it. And uh, it just seems like they erased it. Like it just didn't exist after 2019. They just stopped. I feel like we did a show last year and we at least talked about it. Yes. No, we, we did. I, I know we did. I mean, here's the thing. I've got attendance week by week. Here's what I can tell you, okay? What I can tell you is this. The largest crowd for a conference game last year. A conference game. All right? And then and I believe it's not even close, but that was 35,000 late in the season and that was to watch uh, UTSA battle UAB in the Alamo Dome. 35,141 fans. 
Yeah, I seem to remember that. They, they made a huge hype about that game specifically. I, I barely remember that right there. I also remember the uh, Conference USA Championship game was pretty well attended. 41, 41,000. Yeah, so there you go. Uh, the worst crowd last season for a league game was, and this is, again, announced crowd, 9,606 fans packed Johnny Red Floyd Stadium in Murfreesboro to go watch Middle Tennessee host uh, host Old Dominion. 9606. That's the worst crowd. Wow, that's embarrassing. A lot of 10,000-seat uh, games, lots of 10,000-seat games. I mean, look, if you look at the Sun Bowl, the last home game for UTEP and Rice, 10,097. That's embarrassing. Yeah, that's terrible. Yeah, come on. That is that is embarrassing. And that was UTEP. And listen, they put 31,658 to go see the UTSA game. That was by far and away their best crowd in a long time. But they had 18,468 for Louisiana Tech. Um, and they had 11,025 to go watch Old Dominion. 15,069 for New Mexico. And... I believe that is that was it. That's all they had. And then, uh, oh, no, 14,554 for Bethune-Cookman. Okay, yeah. I mean, that's, uh, that's pretty embarrassing right there. That's a terrible, terrible crowd. And uh, I, I know Dana Dimmel was trying to be positive while he was talking about the attendance at the Sun Bowl being positive last year. But, yeah, when you hear numbers like that, no way. No way at all. No, nah, not good. Not good at all. All right, when we come back. We'll talk a little um, fantasy sports. Jeff Erickson from Rotowire is going to join us. But first, let's go to Charlie One and get this traffic update. Stephen Del Paso Metroplex, the trouble spot that we have right now is I-10 East before Loop 375, Far East Side. We have a collision. The right two lanes are blocked. There's backup to Saragossa that might reach the Trevino. Those eastbound lanes are bumper to bumper. Also, Saragossa and Crested Quail, we have a crash. And then if you're going to that widest port of entry, America's Bridge, just keep in mind that your bumper-to-bumper, US 54 southbound lanes, your bumper-to-bumper, I-10 East to that ramp. And I-10 East from Cotton to Spaghetti Bowl area, pretty rough traffic right there, uh, very slow-moving traffic there. Going on tonight, there's a closure. Eastbound I-10 will be closed to all traffic between Vinton and Trans Mountain. That goes on tonight at 9 p.m. This update brought to you by Leo's Restaurant, 7520 Rimcon. Open for dining and carry-out Tuesday through Sunday from 11 to 8. We have the delicious flautas. We have the fajitas, gorditas, chicken, and mole, chile con carne, and much more on the menu. Leo's Restaurant, 7520 Rimcon. Charlie 1, 600 ESPN El Paso. Free AutoZone Fix Finder service can help troubleshoot the likely cause of your pesky check engine light for free and get you back on the road. Restrictions apply. Get in the zone. AutoZone. The IRS is ramping up collection, and if you owe back taxes or have years of unfiled tax returns, listen carefully. Before it's too late, check your eligibility for the Fresh Start program still offered by the IRS to reduce or even eliminate your tax problems. Call our special hotline number now and find out in minutes if you qualify for these life-changing debt reduction programs. Business or personal, if you're in a payment plan with no end in sight, have unfiled tax returns under audit, have a wage or bank levy, or finally just want to know your 
your options, call the experts at Republic Tax Relief and stop collections immediately. A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau with a five-star rating from Yelp, this veteran-owned company has the fight you need to take on the IRS. Don't go at it alone. Call their hotline number now, 800-657-7991. That's 800-657-7991. Find out if you qualify today. Call 800-657-7991 or go to republictaxrelief.com. Almost 3 million people use Navaj to breathe better, sleep deeper, snore less, and stay healthier. I'm Martin Hoke, and I invented Navaj, the world's only nose cleaner that helps flush out airborne germs with powered suction. But what do doctors have to say about Navaj? Here's Dr. Tonya Farmer, a board-certified ear, nose, and throat specialist. Most airborne allergens and viruses enter through your nose. When that happens, it can cause congestion and irritation, and that just makes you feel miserable. You can get a cold, you can get flu, sinus infections, or even worse. Flushing your nose with a saline solution is the most effective way to flush all of those dangerous threats out of your nose. So now when patients come in my office, I tell them I highly recommend that you use Navaj on a daily basis for overall good health and wellness. And Navaj is all natural and drug-free. At Navaj.com, Walmart, Walgreens, CVS, Rite Aid, Bed Bath, and Target. Navaj, N-A-V-A-G-E. Clean nose, healthy life. Star presents Cool Canyon Nights. Free concerts. Thursday evening. McKelligan Canyon Amphitheater. This Thursday. July 28th. Put on your boogie shoes for Funky Mungle on the West Star Main Stage. Get down, get down, get down, get down. Cool Canyon Nights with El Paso's favorite party band, Funky Mungle. Check out the retros on the EPCC patio stage. Doors open at 6 p.m. to music, fun, food trucks, beer, beverages, snacks, and more. Cool Canyon Nights. From West Star. And presented in part by Johnson Jewelers, Charlie Clark Nissan, and Charlie Clark Infinity. LNF Distributors, Tips Treats, Roy Home Remodeling, and Coca-Cola Southwest Butler. Produced by El Paso Live and Town Square Media. Complete details online at kisselpaso.com. Summer is right around the corner. The Desert Institute of Sports Medicine is hosting a special on sports physicals throughout the summer for kids. Here's Dr. Sergio Alvarado. Parents, don't wait until last minute. Get in early and take advantage of our $20 special for sports physicals. Get a sports physical at the Desert Institute of Sports Medicine for just $20. Call to set up an appointment at 915-256-9751. That's 915-256-9751. Located at 2270 Trainwood, Suite G2. 600 ESPN El Paso. Welcome back, everybody. 22 now past the hour. Sports talk continues. Fantasy time. Training camp is underway in the NFL. Baseball trade rumors are going wild. What a great time to have uh, Jeff Erickson back with us from rotowire.com, your one-stop shop for fantasy sports. Jeff, how are you? I'm doing well. Uh, hopefully uh, my connection's old. Uh, driving to pick up my daughter from her work, so uh, sorry about that. Uh, but uh, I'm doing well. It's crazy time. I mean, we get the trade deadline. We've got, uh, you know, trading camp news left and right. We're no longer, like, 
sleeping on the smallest thread of news. Now we actually have actual real substantive news. It's fun. We do have a lot of news. Uh, let's start with the trading deadline. Do you believe all the talk that uh, the cards are going to end up with Juan Soto? Um, I think they'll be competitive. I think that they'll have it. But I Yep. I mean, the thing about Soto is it's not a rental. It's two and a half years, and the you know you have the ability to sign him to a long-term deal. He fit per- perfectly at that lineup. I mean, I don't think it, it shouldn't be an either-or. It's just a question of how much of your farm system you're willing to trade away. I'm with you on that. The Cardinals have plenty of young talent in the big leagues, and they've got uh, plenty of good guys in the farm system. They're they're pretty well suited. Why is it that we always talk about the Yankees, the Mets, the Dodgers, teams like that, but we really should give the Cardinals more play because they always seem to be uh, you know put themselves in the conversation like this. Yeah, I mean, remember they pulled off the Arenado deal earlier um, out of you know arguably thin air. Um, you know they. The best player they traded that deal was Austin Gomber, for crying out loud. Um, I don't think, you know, obviously that's not going to get it done here. Soto is a generational talent. We use Sometimes we use that term a little loosely, but it's absolutely true here. Only 23 years old, for crying out loud, too. That's the thing that's so amazing is imagine him sitting in between or either in between or right before Goldschmidt and Arenado. I mean, whoo, what a lineup that would be. I'm going to ask you the same question I asked Jay Jaffe last hour. You're starting a franchise. Do you build that franchise with Juan Soto or with Shohei Otani? Soto because he's 23. Um, I, I think the age is the big thing there. I mean, the fact that he's barely in his peak years, if anything. I mean, yeah, I, I think it's – I mean, Shohei is tantalizing, but you don't know how long the pitching component lasts. Um, it. it, it I mean, the answer is yes, one of the two. And I think the Angels would be lunatics to trade Shohei just uh, because under the rubric that they can't afford both he and Trout. Because first of all, that's not true. And secondly, um, you find a way to afford it. I mean, it's just you absolutely, you know, I think it's crazy. But, yeah, I mean, these are great things. Start. I'm curious, though, what did Jay say? Uh, Jay said Otani because of the pitching, the two-way ability. I, I can buy that. I, I can get behind that there. Um, I just feel like Soto's skills are the type that will last for 10 years easily, and I'm not sure Shohei's will. I'm hearing on you. One of the things uh, Jay mentioned about Soto was he doesn't know if you if you lock him up for 10, if uh, if he doesn't move to DH, if he'll be able to stay in the outfield with the kind of value that he has right now as he gets older. Yeah, that's true, but, I mean, we got a universal DH. I don't have a problem using it. Mm-hmm. Uh I mean, I don't think the Astros are really upset that they've got Jordan Alvarez as an average outfielder slash DH for a really long time. I think they'll deal with that. Um, yeah, I mean, but yeah, it's a good, it's a valid point. I mean, he loses some value because he doesn't have the greatest defensive abilities. Um, but the other thing is, if Shohei gets hurt pitching, he doesn't really is he going to play the field? Um, so I mean, you could throw that back. I mean, when he doesn't pitch, he's not in the field. What did you say, though, that Shohei has more value at pitcher than he does at hitter? Uh, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I guess it's harder, maybe, to find an elite starting pitcher. I mean, at the level that Shohei's at right now, yeah, I guess so. Um, I just feel like it's always a little bit more tenuous to maintain that over the long term as a starter. I mean... 
finding a Justin Verlander that that only and you know really infrequently gets hurt, you know, and he had a late in, late career injury, but uh, you know, finding someone that we know can that will not have a second Tommy John. I mean, you don't know. I mean, look at Jacob Degrom, um, and how you know we haven't seen him pitch once in the majors this year, and you know it's not the first time he's had an injury. He's amazing when he's out there, uh, but you know I, I think. Day in, day out, I'd rather have the guy that's playing 150-plus games every year. It's so hard to find guys that throw 100 miles an hour or more as a starting pitcher and keep them healthy year after year. It is. It is. I mean, it's the velocity paradox. Uh, the more, the higher higher velocity you throw, the more you are, yep. but it hurts. Um, and, you know, it's just a game of... You know, for all the work that's been done, there's great work that's been done trying to find ways to keep pitchers healthy. We're not keeping pitchers any healthier than we have been in the past. True. Just we haven't. The injury rate is still ridiculously high. See, I figured that when you heard the Trout news today about uh, potentially having to, you know, miss the rest of this season and and possibly seeing what happens with his career, I figured if you're the Angels, you at least explore the Otani trade possibilities. Uh, I mean, don't you build around Otani instead of Trout? Well, you, nobody's going to take Trout off your hands now, and you're stuck with a huge contract. So how much really can you build around Otani if you've already got the dollars committed to Trout and you know nobody else is going to take them? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, they ha- the thing that's different between the Angels and the Nats is the Nats' ownership is looking to sell right now. The Lerner family wants out. They've always kind of been a team that's hesitant to pay the top dollar. You know, you harken back to the Bryce Harper negotiations, and they, they announced they made this humongous offer, but then they, you know, they, they don't tell you that, you know, it's deferred 75 years and he won't be alive for the end of it, um, and that lower annual value of the contract considerably. You know, you know, they play these games a little bit, make it look like they're trying hard, but they really weren't. And I feel like that's... The Angels don't have that as an issue as much. I mean, they're in freaking L.A. here. I mean, in Southern California, it's Anaheim, sure, but it's still Orange County, which is ludicrously uh, wealthy and, you know, a, a great TV market. There's, you know, zero reason to cry poor if you're already Moreno. No, um, that's and true. That, that's why I think the situation's a little different. I still look at the, the New York teams especially. Well, maybe not the Yankees because they got to deal with paying Aaron Judge. But uh, the Mets and, and Steve Cohen, who has an unlimited checkbook, hey, if he strikes out on, uh, on, on Soto, then maybe he does explore at least a phone call to Moreno to find out about Otani. Yeah. Honestly, I, I really think, like, 25 of these franchises should be behaving as big markets. There might be, like, five that have the excuse of not being able to, and that, that might be generous. I mean, I, especially with the way smaller franchises are subsidized, uh, and, and been taking a profit for a decade. Uh, you know, you look at Pittsburgh. Um, yes, they cry poor all the year, but they, they've turned a profit every single year, and, and by not a small amount either. Bob Nuttig is a, is a wealthy, wealthy, wealthy man. Um, you know, I, I, I really have a hard time with any sort of poor us sort of argument. Uh, that, that's and especially with the Angels, I, I don't have any at all. I think, I mean, you build around Otani. I mean, you do it better next time. And the thing is, I mean, they have a hard time building pitching. They spend a draft, 20 consecutive pitchers drafted. Let's see what happens from that. No, they, they just, 
they have they they're very weird about building a franchise. They they get these big guys, but then they don't fill around it very, very well. More with uh, Jeff Erickson as we continue here on Sports Talk. But first, let's go right now to Adrian and get this bottom of the hour Sports Center update. Thank you very much, Steve. Veteran linebacker K.J. Wright signed a ceremonial one-day contract today to retire as a member of the Seattle Seahawks. Wright's retirement ends an 11-year playing career that included 10 seasons as a starter on the famed defenses that helped lead the Seahawks through the most successful stretch in franchise history, which included a victory in a Super Bowl and a near repeat the following season. Let's go to more news. After three injury plague years, defensive end D. Ford's time with the San Francisco Francisco 49ers is officially over. The Niners released Ford today in a move that had been expected since Ford's 2021 season ended in September with him on the injured reserve because of persistent back problems. San Francisco general manager John Lynch said today that a move would be forthcoming with Ford after indicating at the NFL owners meeting in March that Ford had played his final snaps with the team. Heading over to the baseball scoreboard right now, middle of the third, Reds lead the Marlins 4-1. Also, Yankee, uh, excuse me, Mets on top of the Yankees, one nothing at the bottom of the second. This one televised on ESPN. Rays leading the Orioles 3-0 at the top of the second. No score so far between the Cardinals and the Blue Jays at the top of the second. Red Sox hosting the Guardians right now. They've got, actually Cleveland's got runners on first and third right now, threatening to score at the top of the second. Couple final scores from earlier today. Phillies beat out the Braves 7-2. Tigers edge out a win against the Padres 4-3. Angels Angels blank the Royals for nothing, and the Brewers get it done at home with a 10-4 victory. That's a look at your Sports Center update for 600 ESPN El Paso. I'm Adrian Broaddus. Adrian, thank you very much. Back here with uh, Jeff Erickson from rotowire.com. Before I move to football, I do want to mention, if you go to the website, rotowire.com, James Anderson has updated his top 400 prospects. And if you're in a dynasty league like me, uh, this is always one of my exciting times when I get to see how uh, James has kind of bumped guys up, especially after the draft, Jeff. Yeah, he added a ton of guys from the draft into the rankings. Moved others up and down. Uh, he had a lot of new entries in his top 100, so some fun stuff to see there. Uh, and, and, yeah, I'm, I'm acting accordingly on my, uh, my score, sheet, uh, like score sheet, which is a simulation game uh, league. It's a dynasty format, National League only, and getting ahead of my competition is so huge, I, I've, especially because I've been a little asleep at the wheel at times. I missed out on Jackson Churio, for instance, there, so... I, I, leave, I left all over a couple of his additions this week uh, and grabbed a couple of guys as free agents because this first ser- first come, first serve in my league. Well, that's good. And, again, that's all up at rotowire.com along with all the football news. A lot of team previews. That's part of it. A lot of best ball strategy uh, columns. Training camp notes has been added. That's going to be great since now training camp has opened up around the NFL. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and, man, there's no shortage of news right now, too. Uh, it's, you know, whether it's Julio signing or Michael Thomas back looking good. I mean, I, I was one of the Michael Thomas skeptics and now I'm confused. I really don't know what to make out of his situation there. Like I'm, I'm going to do an update of my top 150, uh, later tonight and I'm going to move him up. It's a question of how far, uh, I was having this conversation earlier with uh, my friend, Christopher Harris from Harris football is like, what? 
moves the needle for you in training camp? What sort of, you know, what sort of things allow you to change your rankings? And this Thomas thing is one of them. That is definitely a, a mover for me, especially if we see, like, notes later on. When we go at full speed, they're in pads, and he's shaking guys readily because, uh, you know, he's a, he's a pure route runner. So that's the sort of thing I'll be watching for, and we'll get news like that all the time. Where do you see Julio Jones going now that he's uh, part of Team Brady this season? You know, I'm moving him into my top 150, but he'll probably be, uh, I would say, probably somewhere between 125 and 150 for me. I, I need to see more before I put him any higher. Uh, I still think he's third option at best uh, for this team, uh, and that depends on whether Chris Godwin's ready right now or whether he's actually going to miss games. I thought it was just noteworthy that, uh, you know, I, I think the expectation was going into the season that Godwin was going to miss a handful of games minimum, maybe up to six or seven after that torn ACL. But, you know, sometimes players come back from torn ACLs quicker than we expect. So, uh, yeah, I, and then they signed Russell Gage in there, and they're paying him $30 million over three years. So the expectation is he's going to contribute quite a bit. But, you know, I'm going to move Gage down, too. Marquise Brown uh, is going to be on the non-football injury list with a hamstring issue, missing some time. Uh, That is not the kind of news you want to hear if you uh, were hoping he'd have a big season. Well, especially when you look at Arizona's situation right now, uh, with no Hopkins for the first six weeks of the season, you know, they were counting on Brown to be a target monster, and now that might not happen. I, you know, I'll tell you what, Zach Ertz is going up in my ranking, so I'll tell you, I can promise you that. And probably Rondale Moore, too. Other stories I want to talk to you about. Uh, now that we know Trey Lance is the franchise in San Francisco, what do you expect from him this season? It's, it's a huge question. Uh, I didn't, I'm not going to address it because we assume, I'm not going to adjust him anywhere farther upward because we knew this was going to be the answer all along. You don't give up that much draft capital and then not ever give him a real chance. But... When we last saw him, he wasn't that great. He was horrible in the first half against Houston, passable in the second. Didn't throw the ball very well at all against Arizona, his only other significant play. Uh, you know, and moreover, Debo has a, uh, a training camp hold in right now where he's just doing conditioning uh, as he waits to get to get his pay. Um, you know, it, it's a confusing situation there. So I think he's personally getting over, personally, I think he's getting overdrafted. Uh, I see him going as high as like, nine or ten and sometimes maybe a little higher even once or twice but to me he's not a top 12 receiver i need to see something i think it's a little different than other second year breakouts because he barely played last year uh like i was I, I i'm more optimistic that trevor lawrence gets it this year than i am uh trey lance and i understand tim tebow was a top 10 quarterback that one year despite all of his flaws because of his running so you know there's there, there, I, I might be too low on him, but I, I think there's a real chance he still flops and really struggles, especially early on. And let's face it, he struggles early on, and you know, you're going to probably be digging yourself out of a hole fantasy-wise. Uh, so I, I'm, chances are I'm not going to have a whole lot of Trey Lance this year. Pretty sad to hear about Chris Carson, who had to retire after five seasons in the NFL from a neck injury. Here's a guy who was really productive when he could stay healthy. Unfortunately, injuries uh, injuries are just a killer. They are uh, neck injuries in particular. I mean, you know, just you hate to see that because it, it, it might affect the qu- his quality of life 
you know, post football too. Uh, and yeah, you hate to see that. I wasn't counting on him playing this year. Um, I, I kind of just thought it was a two man race between Penny and Walker and that's confusing enough in its own right. So, um, I'm, I'm, yeah, but sad to see him uh, have to retire because of this. You want to you want to be able to go out on your own terms. Only a five year NFL career, and that just illustrates the perils of being a running back in the NFL. You've got so much going up at, at RotoWire.com. I don't even know where to start right now to try to promote everything on the website. You know what? Uh, let's start with my uh, rankings. They'll be coming out tomorrow. Uh, PPR one fifty overall rankings. They're free. I'll be tweeting it out, and then you can check out a free ten a uh, free trial. No credit cards required to get uh, all of our other info on the site as well. So, rotowire.com slash free. Check out all of our training camp pre- uh, our, uh, uh, training camp notes as well as our team previews. I think that's a pretty good starting point. Awesome stuff. Talk to you next Wednesday. Nice job, uh, th- all things considered. Jeff, we'll uh, speak to you then. Take care. Awesome. Thanks, Steve. That's uh, Jeff Erickson, rotowire.com. 21 in front of 6. Back with more as Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. I'm ABC 7 Stephanie Valle with your top stories on this Wednesday, July 27th on 600 ESPN El Paso. The El Paso District Attorney has hired two lawyers from out of town to join the team prosecuting the Walmart mass shooting suspect. That's according to El Paso Matters. This comes weeks after a state district judge admonished Ivan Rosales for not filing any motions in the case. Monica Baron Agar and Ariz Edanonwari previously worked in the Rio Grande Valley and West Texas, respectively. They'll join Assistant District Attorneys John Briggs, Michelle Hill, and Haban Mohammed, who were already working on the case. The DA's office also filed a motion on Friday notifying Medrano and the defense attorneys of its intent to seek the death penalty. The alleged gunman has been charged with 23 counts of capital murder, which is the only state charge in Texas eligible for the death penalty. Federal prosecutors have yet to announce whether they too will seek the death penalty during their trial, scheduled for January 2024. A trial date has yet to be set in the state case. At last month's hearing, Medrano said he would not interfere with the federal trial. Two people are dead and several others injured after a rollover crash in front of Santa Teresa High School. Border Patrol says 13 people were inside the SUV when it rolled over during a chase this morning. This is being investigated as a case of human smuggling. Look for more details in a live report on ABC 7 at 5 and 6. Tonight, the El Paso County Hospital District will explain why it wants the county to issue nearly $400 million of non-voter-approved funds. The money would be used to expand University Medical Center. Hospital district officials are holding a meeting open to the public from 6 to 8 p.m. at the Richard Burgess Branch Library at 9600 Dyer. Download the StormTrack weather and traffic app and sign up for alerts sent directly to your phone. Get news on the ABC7 app on air and online at kvia.com. I'm ABC7 Stephanie Valle for 600 ESPN El Paso. The uh, big trouble spot that we have as far east at ITDs before Loop 375. We have a crash there right to laser block. The backup going back to Litrovino, your bumper to bumper there, Litrovino to Loop 375. Also, Saragossa and Crested Creel, we have a crash. You go to the Juarez Port of Entry, you're going to be single file, bumper to bumper, US 54 South or I-10 East, going to the Juarez Port of Entry, stacked up traffic right there. Going on tonight, there's a closure at 9 p.m. Eastbound I-10 will be close to all traffic between Vinton and Trans Mountain. This subject brought to you by Leo's Restaurant, 7520 Rimcon, open for dining and carry out Tuesday through Sunday from 11 to 8. Party trays, popular Mr. T specials, full menu. Fresh, delicious, affordable. Don't forget the delicious papillas and celebrating 75 years. Leo's Restaurant, 7520 Rimcon. I'm Charlie 1600, ESPN El Paso.
Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well, trying to find a needle in a haystack. Sure, you can post your job to some job board, but then all you can do is hope the right person comes along, which is why you should try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash radio. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its powerful technology identifies people with the right experience and actively invites them to apply to your job. You get qualified candidates fast. So while other companies might deliver a lot of hay, ZipRecruiter finds you what you're looking for. The needle in the haystack. See why four out of five employers who post a job in ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And right now you can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free at ZipRecruiter.com slash radio. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash radio. ZipRecruiter.com slash radio. Wendy's knows cold and soggy fries are the worst. So soggy. That's why we're serving up hot and crispy fries all day, every day. And all night until close. With natural cut potatoes, sea salted to perfection. Show me that potato skin. Wendy's hot and crispy aren't like other fries. We're your dream fry. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's hot and crispy fries. Guaranteed to be hot and crispy. If yours aren't, bring them back and we'll replace them. Chihuahua's baseball is back. 1-2 to Colway. Swinging a line drive to center. Peters jumps, and it's over his head! Three runs have scored. Here comes Colway. Throw to the plate. Save! Follow your El Paso Chihuahuas all season long on 600 ESPN El Paso. Every game, every play. Tim Haggerty brings you the excitement of our Chihuahuas, the AAA affiliate of the San Diego Padres. Read more, 600ESPNElPaso.com. Man, I slept. New ZQuil Pure Z's Restorative Herbal Sleep is made for people who are tired of being tired. I've never slept like this before. I've never woken up like this before. A melatonin-free sleep aid made with a botanical blend that contains clinically studied and effective valerian root, hops, and passionflower, shown to help promote better restorative sleep. ZQuil Pure Z's Restorative Herbal Sleep. Sleep this good, feel this good. Available at retailers near you. New message. What up, what up? It's Heather's cousin. You dated her in college, or maybe you were just in the same class. Anyway, I heard you bought a boat, my man. Let's hit the water. Oh, and Heather told me you always liked uh, snacks and stuff, so I could totally bring some chips. When you get a boat, you also get new friends. Make sure Progressive's one of them, and get coverage today for as little as $100 a year. Hey, also, I'm a little short on cash, so can you cover the chips? Thanks. I can see why Heather liked you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states. Have you ever noticed that when the afternoon light hits your floors, you can see everything, including dust? So much dust. And that floor dust gets kicked up into the air, compromising the quality of air you and your family breathe. Eesh. Swiffer Heavy Duty Sweeper is the fast and easy way to clean your floors with ultra-thick pads that trap and lock dust before it gets in the air. Just a couple minutes a day. And dust is gone. Swiffer Heavy Duty Sweeper. Proud partner of the American Lung Association. Star presents Cool Canyon Nights. Free concerts. Thursday evening. McKelligan Canyon Amphitheater. This Thursday. July 28th. Put on your boogie shoes for Funky Mungle on the West Star Main Stage. Get down, get down. Canyon Nights with El Paso's favorite party band, Funky Mongol.
Plus, check out the retros on the EPCC patio stage. Doors open at 6 p.m. to music, fun, food trucks, beer, beverages, snacks, and more. Cool Canyon Nights. From Westar. And presented in part by Comfort Zone. EPCC Career and Technical Education. White Claw Hard Seltzer. Superior Sign and Lighting. Tangy Treasures. And Roto-Rooter. Produced by El Paso Live and Town Square Media. Complete details online at kisselpaso.com. When a big change in the weather is coming to the borderland, a first alert is the Storm Track Weather Team signal to be prepared. The Kitsy gusts up to 50 miles per hour. We issue ABC 7 first alerts for times like this when we have blowing dust and sand, reduced visibilities, and strong winds. We do it days in advance to keep your family in the know and keep them safe. First alerts. One more way the ABC 7 Storm Track Weather Team helps you plan your day and keep your family safe. From national to hometown, sports spoken here. 600 ESPN El Paso. Forty-seven past the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk. Still to come, Adrian's going to join us at the top of the six o'clock hour. No, that not that Adrian. Adrian Duran, who's the chief development officer um, uh, for the El Paso Center for Children. We're going to talk about the kick and asphalt uh, 5K and one mile fun run and walk. That's coming up. Uh, the fun run and the fun walk will be this Saturday at uh, Escarate Park at the Pavilion. So we're going to talk to Adrian about that. And by the way, it's, an, it's a nighttime event. That is very cool. I like that. Most of these fun runs and fun walks are um, in the morning. It's the opposite. Kicking asphalt, benefiting the El Paso Center for Children with Adrian Duran. That's coming up uh, here at the top of our 6 o'clock hour as sports talk rolls along. You know, if you are looking to sell your home and you want an agent you can trust, He's Brian Birds of the Brian Birds Home Selling Team, powered by EXP Realty. And you probably wonder, well, how can I trust Brian? And, and why should I trust Brian? It's because every day we talk about all these incredible success stories that happen. And what I, what I always say is this could be you. You could be the next success story that we talk about here on Sports Talk, just like what happened to Bert and uh, Maricela. In fact, listen to this, folks. They had a rental property in Northeast. And since it's a seller's market, they decided to sell it. They turned to Brian and his team because they had no idea where to start to sell a house. Well, you know what? The home listed at $225,000 sold quickly at two twenty-seven. They walked away with a great return on their investment. Oh, and by the way, also free tickets to a Chihuahuas game. Thanks to Brian. That's right. To achieve top dollar for your home, you need that agent who can create an auction-like effect with buyers competing for your home and driving up the price. It's exactly what Brian does. He is the official real estate agent of UTEP, El Paso Locomotive FC, the Rhinos, and the Chihuahuas. He's the only agent I would call if I needed uh, my home sold. That's for sure. You can call him today, 751-1500, or online at brianbirds.com. Ten in front of six right now as we continue here on Sports Talk. All right. Um, let's get back to the 
Pac-12 news for a second. That's a big story. And conference realignment is so interesting with this with this particular league. Because, guys, I don't think anything is more fluid than the Pac-12 right now. It could stay together and add potentially San Diego State and Fresno State from the Mountain West. And the domino impact could uh, ultimately lead UTEP back to the Mountain West. Or... You could see everybody leave except for two. You could have Arizona State, Arizona, Colorado, and Utah all go to the Big 12. And it goes Big 12 West. And let's just say the Big 10 doesn't stop at 16. Say they go to 20. And they add Oregon, Washington, Cal, and Stanford. All you're left with is Oregon State and Washington State. And they will most likely be absorbed by the Mountain West. Maybe they call themselves the Mountain West Plus. (laughs) You never know. But, Adrian, here's what I think it comes down to. And, Jason, you too. I think the key is this. Especially for schools like Washington and Oregon. Do you want to incur the expenses traveling all over um, the Midwest and East Coast to play in the Pac-10 or stay where you are, add the two California schools from the Mountain West and keep the integrity of your conference uh, in intact. That's a great question. It's really interesting because on one end, I'm looking at it from a Pac-12 or like an Oregon standpoint. I'm thinking, you know, do I really want to travel all the way out to Indiana and have to play a meaningless road game over there when I can, you know, try to salvage what's left of the Pac-12 and really dominate in the West Coast and things like that? I'll say I'll still say no because right now it's an eat or get eaten world in college football and these schools who are waiting in the background and just hoping that you know these schools are go, uh, you know these conferences are going to scoop them up those are the schools that are going to be left in the dust when it's all said and done so behind closed doors if I'm any of these universities who wants to move a conference I'm being as proactive as possible and if my conference is kind of you know unstable right now like we're seeing from the Pac-12, I'm being aggressive and trying to get out because I want stability if I'm a university right now in college sports. I think stability is the most you know enticing thing out of all of this. Conference USA, completely unstable. So I'm not looking at that conference right now if I'm, if I'm looking to jump ship or if I'm looking to move into a different conference. If I'm Oregon and Washington, I'm still looking at the Big Ten. I say, all right, I'll, ex- I'll put that in my budget. We'll make those travel. We just want a conference with some stability. But if the Pac-12 is down to two, it's gone. And you know, you know that if four schools leave the Pac-12 and they go to the Big Ten, then Arizona, Arizona State, Uh, along with Utah and Colorado, are gone. They're not sticking around to see what's left and and hope to salvage the Pac-12. They're getting the heck out of there, and they're going west. And that might be better for them. I I feel like with Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and potentially Utah going to the Big 12, that might be a better move for them overall. Like, you actually might see those schools having a lot more success when it comes to things like recruiting. I mean, Arizona having to recruit against schools like Oregon, it's tough. It's it's really tough, especially if you're going after a California prospect. It changes everything in the landscape of uh, college sports when, when you do that kind of shift. But I could definitely see it happening. What do you do, Jason? If I'm Oregon, 
I think I'd, I'd, I'm sticking around. Um, I believe, like, it's not being said. We haven't heard anything from the pack, right? So I'm thinking something's going on behind doors that we don't know about, that they're giving them some type of incentive of, like, yo, stick around. We have something coming our way. It's just up. We just don't know what it is. And um, I, I think that's why Oregon's sticking around. They could easily just left. They could have just went anywhere. Sure. Honestly, they could have went to the Mountain West, no problem. They could go to, you know, offer something to the Big 12. Like, they could do that. Uh, Oregon's not that bad of a program. I think they could move. But I think there's something there that the pack is holding on to them like, hey, stick around because you guys might be like the big dogs in this, in this yard over here. I wonder what Phil Knight wants him to do. That's the interesting thing right there. He's got an open the... checkbook. Yes, he does. Anyway, we'll see. All right, when we come back, Adrian Duran's going to talk about a big 5K and a fun walk coming up on Saturday night. We'll give you the latest right here. Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. All right, little priest for you as we welcome you back to our final hour of Sports Talk. Jason Craig producing the show right now along with Adrian Broadus. I'm Steve Kaplowitz. There's going to be a big event happening this weekend, folks, with the El Paso Center for Children. And uh, here to talk about it with us right now is Adrian Duran, the Chief Development Officer for the El Paso Center for Children. First off, Adrian, appreciate you being with us. I'm so used to talking to Mr. Broadus. We've got Adrian number two here right now. Mr. Duran, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great, Steve. Thank you for having us on. We appreciate you the opportunity to uh, allow us to share some of this information with the community. Let's talk about what you're doing with the El Paso Center for Children, the Kicking Asphalt 5K fundraiser this Saturday night out at Escadete Park. Uh, the first thing I noticed is that most of the time, 5Ks and fun runs and fun walks are, are in the morning, early in the morning. So I like the fact that you guys are, are going at 7 o'clock Saturday night. Yeah, you know, it uh, it was something that we thought about and we, you know, we, we thought the same thing. You know, everything is always in the morning. People go, they they do their race, and then what do they do? They just go on straight home, you know, and, and uh, you know, move on with their day. We wanted to have something where we could invite the community out and have them come out for a fun family night out after the 5K. Uh, you know, it's at Ascarate Park. They've made a lot of great improvements to the park out there. Uh, you know, we're, we're excited about it and being able to have some, uh, some entertainment for the, for the families, especially being the Saturday before school starts for most of the city. I mean, you got everything. You've got music. Um, you have food trucks. You have arts and crafts vendors. You've got wine tasting. You have beer tasting. And you've got a jumping balloon obstacle course for the kids. So, Adrian, it sounds to me like this is a family event Saturday night, and you guys are pulling out all the stops to make sure that after the race is over, everybody's going to be hanging out and spending uh, spending the night with you guys. Yeah, you know, Steve, it's uh, you know, the the, the event's going to be over at the pavilion area at Ascarate Park, and it's fenced in, and it's a nice little uh, indoor outdoor venue where we can have a. Uh, uh, vendor booths for arts and crafts outside. We have about 10 of them confirmed. Uh, we've got food trucks, seven food trucks confirmed that'll be out there and will be lined up along the pavilion. And then, uh, you know, Hypnosis. Hypnosis, great local band. They uh, they just played Cool Canyon Nights a couple weeks ago. You know, they're going to be out there. This is a free event for the community. The only thing that costs anything is if you're going to run in the race. You know, running in the race is, is a, a fee of $30 for adults, 18 and under is 25. But if you put together a team of 10 or more, it'll cost you get a $5 discount for that. So adults 25 and and uh, youth $20. You know what 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 better deal can you get than that? 
Absolutely right. Now, um, the, do you find that for events like this, a lot of kids will sign up for the one-mile uh, fun run or the fun walk? You know, I will be honest with you, Steve. I've been going down through the list of, of uh, people that have registered, and we have currently 241 people that have already registered. And within that 241, they're not only – those kids aren't only signing up for the for the one-mile. Some of them are doing the 5K, hmm. you know, and, and – uh, you know, it's it's a 3.1 miles for a 5K, and and uh, you know some of these kiddos, you know, they're they're uh, athletic and they can run, and 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 I I I'd be darned if some of them aren't going to be a little faster than their parents. I believe it. I'm sure there's going to be some some wagering, some trash talking. It sounds like it's just going to be a lot of fun when this event uh, gets going here uh, on Saturday night out at Escadete. Uh Take me behind the thought process and, and really what made you guys decide to put the kick and asphalt uh, race together in the first place? Well, you know, we, we, uh, we've been around in this community as a, the El Paso children has a history that dates back over 100 years, Steve. Uh, we're we're what, is, what became of the first two original orphanages in El Paso, uh, the uh, uh, St. Margaret's Orphanage run by a diocese and then Southwestern Children's Home, uh, which... Uh, emerged after many years in, in, and uh, in 1982 became the El Paso Center for Children. We're located over near Austin High School and 2200 Stevens. And, you know, one of the things, Steve, that, that uh, triggered this is that we feel like we're one of El Paso's best kept secrets. Mm-hmm. You know, we, a lot of people don't know about us despite our long history in the community and the services that we provide for our homeless runaway youth and homeless young adults, foster care programs, you know, a variety of programs that we provide for prevention and counseling of child abuse for families with kids, uh, a lot of services that we provide that are essential to any community and people do not know about it. So we thought, you know, let's get this together. You know, a lot of people through COVID have not been out as much. Uh, you know, why not put out an event that families can come out to have a great time at, at Ascarte Park, get people out, having a good time, having fun, enjoying themselves, getting in some exercise. And while we're at it, raising some money for the Center for Children, you know, we, uh, we've had a fantastic run. We've got a, a great, uh, a lot of, of businesses in El Paso that have come, come through and, and with flying colors. We've raised almost $35,000 wow. in sponsorships. That's huge. You know? so, yeah. Uh, that's huge. That's huge. That not, that's not including anything uh, that we might bring in from the runners, you know. And so we are really excited for this. Uh, you know, we have major needs. For the Center for Children, like any nonprofit does, all nonprofits, you know, struggle to to uh, raise money, and especially in a community like ours, like El Paso, uh, to to uh, be able to have an event like this and help bring the community together and raise money for our for our cause, you know, we we just figured it was a no brainer. I'm with you on that one. Adrian Duran with us from the El Paso Center for Children as we continue here on Sports Talk. Um, You mentioned something really interesting. You've been around 100-plus years. You figure that you would be synonymous in the city. Everybody would know uh, not just about the El Paso Center for Children but your mission and and what it's about, but not the case. Number one, there are a lot of nonprofits these days. There are also a lot of nonprofits that deal with children, so um, you're not alone. And as you mentioned, awareness is key. That is one of the beauties of a fundraiser. You raise awareness through the running, through the sponsorships, and all these people, as you start to grow and grow, this could become a synonymous annual event that everybody gets excited about every year. That's exactly right, Steve. And I'll tell you what, you know, the center has grown over the last five, six years. We, we, uh, we have a new CEO, Beth Sanger, who's running the, the uh, center. And, uh, you know, previous to her, the, the executive director had been here for about 32 years. Mm. 
And so, uh, you know, our programs and, and budget have grown tremendously over that amount of time. And I'm, I'm a, uh, you know, one of the beneficiaries of that because the chief development officer is a brand new position for the center, as well as a grant writer that was brought on specifically to bring on events like this, specifically to draw attention to the center and make people aware of what we are able to do and provide for the community. You know, when, when you have a nonprofit and, and you depend on grants and you depend on funders to come through federal, not, you know, private foundations, uh, any, any little bit that you can do to raise money through the community is a bonus. And, you know, we have a generous community here in El Paso. People will give if you reach out to them and they know about your cause. And so that's part of the reason why, you know, we wanted to reach out to you and through, through other media partners to, to just get our message out and, and get people to learn a little bit more about the El Paso Center for Children, about the services that we provide, and how much of a difference they make for people that need the services in the community, Steve. Speaking of the services that you all provide, I stumbled upon your parent cafes, which seems so interesting to kind of reflect on. Can you tell us a little bit about what this uh, service provides to parents? You know what, Adrian, that's a great question. And our parent cafes are part of a pilot program called Strong Families we are one of only five communities in the country that have had this program going on for a period of time. We're in the last uh, either year or two years of the program. And the parent cafes provide opportunities for parents to come together, to be triggered by questions and, and uh, have their, their conversations steered in a direction where they can talk about issues that they're facing on a regular basis. But within with peers, with other parents, not to a counselor, you know, where they can feel free and comfortable to, to speak their mind and share their struggles. And yet at the other, the, 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 the biggest benefit for that, uh, Adrian and Steve, is they get to realize that they're not on an island. Many families in, in, in the community struggle and face the same problems and issues. And it is not the end of the world. They can see that you can make it uh, past those issues that they might be facing. So the parent cafes are a great tool for, for uh, parents to come out and just be able to, to feel a little bit better about the job that they're doing and raising their kids. Because after all, you know, nobody ever hands you a handbook on how to be a parent, right? Mm -hmm. That's true. Adrian Duran with us right now, Paso Center for Children. You know, I, I'm looking at all the services you provide. Adrian just mentioned the Parent Cafe, so important. Um, whether it's youth outreach and housing, uh, counseling, life skills. You also, uh, you know, handle victims of crime, foster care. Uh, how large, with all the different services you provide, how large is the team of, of people like yourself and others that are, that are really there at El Paso Center for Children? Well, you know what, Steve, you would think with all those programs that we have a humongous team out here, we, we really um, stretch our, our funds as, as much as we can. And, and we have a team of about 70 people, uh, a staff of, of 70, roughly between 60 and 70. It's really hard right now, Steve, when you're in, in a business like ours, where you're dealing with counselors and you're dealing with issues that you're uh, trying to recruit uh, good staff. We're always looking for good staff to hire, and and uh, on our website, if you go and look at it, there, there's always going to be opportunities for people that, that are that are uh, in this field to to look for a job and find a job. But you know, you hit the nail on the head, Steve. There are so many, so many programs, and yet with limited resources and with requirements of, of funders, uh, we have to all wear different hats. You know, we have to wear different hats, and sometimes uh, it might be that we're moving around furniture at the shelter or doing something else when. You know, you're not necessarily, that's not your primary objective. 
but everybody has to lend a hand when you're in a nonprofit, and that's kind of our uh, uh, method of operation out here. Well, you're going to have all uh, systems uh, go for Saturday night's event, Kicking Asphalt, uh, which is the uh, 5K fundraiser happening at Escadete Park. Starts at 7 o'clock. You mentioned over 240 people have signed up. If you want to register, I, I know there's ways to do it. You can go to epccinc.org. That's epccinc.org. But you can also sign up through Race Adventures. Isn't that right, Adrian? That's correct, Steve. That's correct. And I, and I want to invite everybody to get out there by 6 o'clock. The race actually starts at 7, but we're going to have a DJ out there spinning some some music and, and uh, getting the, the crowd excited. If you come out there and you're not part of the run, you can still you know, take, uh, take advantage of the food trucks, take advantage of, of the wine and beer tasting. Uh, we'll be set up by 6 o'clock. We invite the community to come out and uh, have a good time. And, and, and like I said, we are hoping to have at least by the end of the week at least 300 runners, you know, and, and that would be a great success for us to be able to say that. And, and uh, you know, uh, having the opportunity to come on your show and speak a little bit about that is some is, is one of the reasons why we're, we're hopeful for 300 runners. So we really appreciate you providing this opportunity and the time, Steve. Well, I also want to mention, Adrian, that it's a free event for non-racers. That's very important. So if you're not racing, you don't have to pay. And then you can buy tasting tickets at the event along with the food from the food trucks. That's important because you're going to have beer tasting, wine tasting. Then there's the jumping balloon obstacle course for the kids. Um, what is your what is your timeline, Adrian? If the race starts at 7, do you expect all the racers to be in by about 8.15, 8.30? Earlier than that, what do you think? Uh, probably a little earlier than that, Steve. You know, your competitive racers. I I I I, I did a uh, time myself in a 5K today, and and uh, you know your competitive racers are gonna are gonna come in in 30 minutes or less. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the one mile fun walk. You know people can take a stroll and do it in a mile in a uh, 20 minutes or so, 30 yeah. minutes max. So we kind of expect for the racers to all kind of trickle in between 7:30 and 7:45. So we've lined up hypnosis to start playing their their music at 7:30. They're going to play on through ten thirty. So, oh wow! You know, as the skip come in, they're 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 going to be uh, you know pulled into the uh, pavilion area uh, to uh, to hopefully stick around and have a great time. That's awesome. That is awesome. And you mentioned the website epccinc dot dot org. If people want to volunteer, not not necessarily on Saturday, but in the future, I'm sure there's opportunities for them to do so with El Paso Center for Children. There are, Steve. There are, and and, and honestly, uh, they can reach out to me directly. Uh, my, my email is really easy to remember. It's my first initial A, last name Duran, A Duran at epccinc.org. Uh, reach out. It's all over the website. If you go on the website, you can find me, my email on there, and you can reach out if you want to volunteer. Uh, I'll, I'll mention this. If there's any food trucks or arts and craft vendors out there that are looking for an event to come uh, to, to work on, on a Saturday, by all means, reach out. We're still looking for vendors. And uh, I will tell you, Steve, they can reach out to me. They can reach me uh, by cell, 915-346-5548. That's 915-346-5548. If you are a food truck owner or if you have an arts and craft uh, uh, booth that you want to uh, have participate, reach out. One really interesting thing is, man, we, we even got a 10-year-old that's got an LED business that's coming out and a 14-year-old young lady who does her own jewelry. Uh-huh. You know, those are the kind of booths that we're excited about. Uh, we have handmade soap, a lady that does handmade soap that's going to be out there. Uh, you know, come out, have a great time. You know, 
support the vendors that are going to be out there and our food trucks that are coming out. They're also looking to make a contribution to the center. So when you support them, you'll be supporting us as well. Uh, so so uh, we're really excited about this, and we hope to make this an annual event, Steve. I'm looking forward to it. All right, Adrian, great job. Thanks for the time. And, uh, again, I feel like it, this will be a, an annual event. Not hoping to. I think it's, it's going to happen. Appreciate you uh, giving us the lowdown here on Sports Talk today. Thank you both, Steve and Adrian. We appreciate you guys. He's Adrian Duran. Joins us here on Sports Talk as we continue. 18 pass. Charlie's next with traffic. And then we'll wrap up uh, the final two segments of our 6 o'clock hour right here on 600 ESPN El Paso. Stephen the El Paso Metro Place, so we have here, we have a big trouble spot here. I-10 East at Cod, we have a collision. Left three lanes are blocked here at I-10 East at Cod. The back of, back, uh, going back to Porfirio Diaz, so just keep on the moon. Again, the I-10 East at Cod. Also, Bill Battle in Montford, we have a crash. North Loop and Nottingham in the crash we're working on. Saragossa and Kentucky Trail, we have a crash, so caution here. This will be brought to you by Leo Investment, 7520 Repcon, open for dining and carry out Tuesday from Sunday from 11 to 8. Party phase, popular with the special full venue. Rest the list is affordable. Don't forget to the list of Papias, the Leo Restaurant, 7520 Repcon, I'm Charlie 1, 600, DSP and Alpha. The free AutoZone Fix Finder service can help troubleshoot the likely cause of your pesky check engine light for free and get you back on the road. Restrictions apply. Get in the zone. AutoZone. Hey, El Paso. We want to thank you for choosing Lube Go for the past 45 years. We're excited to keep you ready for the road ahead. Whether you stop in for a full-service oil change or a Texas State inspection, we look forward to seeing your vehicle in our bays. Performing industry-leading preventive maintenance services for our city is one of the reasons we are proud to be El Paso's convenient car care center and excited to be growing to serve you best. Lubingo is proud to announce our newest location at Rich Beam in Zaragoza. I'm Mark Bocknowski with Lubingo, reminding you, if you love it, lube it. Here at Sun Metro, great careers in public transit are waiting for you. They're now hiring operators to join their dedicated team. Don't have a commercial driver's license? Sun Metro offers extensive on-the-job pay training to assist individuals with earning a CDL when you apply for a trainee position. Sun Metro also offers retirement benefits. Now through August 31st, all new city employees in non-uniform positions will receive a $1,000 sign-on bonus. Call today, 915-212-3333 or visit www.sunmetro.com net slash employment progressive insurance protects people's cars homes and other vehicles but if you've ever seen our commercials or even just heard our name you probably already knew that what you may not know is that we support humble design a nonprofit that furnishes homes for families and veterans emerging from homelessness because a little help goes a long way and a lot of help well you get the idea now if you already knew all of this about progressive insurance we're impressed we'll have to find something else cool to tell you next time find out more about how we're dedicated to our customers and communities at progressive.com Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Ray Maliazzi here for eBay Motors. Okay, easy now. You're teaching your kid how to parallel park. Ouch! <laughs> Turns out he likes to do it by feel. <laughs> Don't worry, eBay Motors has bumpers, taillights, trunk lids, license plate holders, 122 million parts. Pull up just a little bit. And headlights. <laughs> They've got lots of headlights. Get the right parts at the right prices eBay Motors. Let's ride. Cards issued by Celtic Bank member FDIC. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. 
Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's credit cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 3.3% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash sports. Ramp.com slash sports. R-A-M-P dot com slash sports. 600 ESPN El Paso dot com. Twenty-two past as we continue here on Sports Talk. Nice job by Adrian. Duran, that is. Adrian brought us always brings it. He's as consistent as it gets around here. But uh, Adrian um, did a great job talking about El Paso Center for Children. Kicking asphalt. 5K this Saturday out at uh, Scottate. And it sounds to me like they are well on their way to having a huge event, which is uh, terrific. Man, say this. You put together a, a, a good run walk, whether it's early in the morning or in this case at night. Um, and you, you do give them a little bit of everything. You know, you got beer tasting, wine tasting, food trucks, live music, jumping uh, obstacle course for the kids. That is the way to do it. It is, and uh, I'm really happy that he mentioned the fact that this one is taking place at night at Escarate. Um, I've heard that they're doing a lot more events at night over there. They've had the they they've started doing like a farmers market out there as well, and uh, uh, I've seen all the events they did like a, a barefoot in the park camp out last weekend. So yeah, Escarate is doing a lot of things in the evening. I, I really like this, and uh, he he said it best. They revamped the park. I, I'm happy that they're out there. I, I am too. And by the way, um, I told you this off air. I'll say this on air. That is the best you've ever sounded uh, on a Zoom interview. Thank you. I'm Studio quality. <laughs> I don't even know. Do you think it's because you weren't on the main mic and you were off mic and, and Jason was handling the uh, the producing aspect? Maybe. Maybe all the times, like half the time I'm like unplugging something, plugging something yes. in and like doing all this crazy stuff. So maybe the lesson is when we have like a Zoom interview, I'll just stand over here and use a separate headphone, microphone and everything if I need to pop over here or something like that. Well, you sounded good to me, man. I'm I mean, glad. I couldn't tell. Sounded to me like you were like you were on air, not uh, just using a USB mic. So I was very impressed. Good, good. I'm glad to hear. I'm gonna. I'll still try to do that uh, the next time around when we have another Zoom guest. Uh, don't want to give away all your secrets, but True. still, it was uh, it was pretty solid, man. Pretty solid. Hey, how about this story? How Zeke was uh, asked today about his contract and his future with the Cowboys, and you know, after this year, there is no more guaranteed money. On Ezekiel Elliott's contract. Yeah, this is interesting, Steve. I, I just want to jump in on this because this one was a rumor that happened over the offseason, remember, where they were speculating would Zeke get cut with the Cowboys? So now maybe Zeke sees a an end to his Cowboys career. Maybe it's not at the end of this year. Maybe it's next year. Who knows? I think it could be after this year. I mean, let's put it this way. He's already 27. That's the... You know, that's usually a good running backs probably have another two, three years left in the tank. Usually 30 is the age when everybody starts to go down. But got to understand, 
I mean, this man has had over 1,600 carries in his NFL life. And sometimes when you get banged around, that's, uh, you know, that's, uh, again, it's a lot of carries. And you wonder how much left he has. Plus, when you've got somebody backing him up that many believe can absolutely start in this league, that's a huge, huge benefit for the Cowboys. And they might decide after this season, hey, we're going to sign Tony Pollard. We're going to make him our running back. He's two years younger. He has less wear and tear on his body than Zeke does. And maybe that's where they decide to go. Yeah, I feel like what what the recent uh, history and track record of running backs has told us is just don't pay your running backs. And it's sad to say that because, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, here in El Paso, everybody's fans of Aaron Jones and everybody was rooting for him to get a deal, which he got done. Although you look at the back end of that deal, it doesn't have a lot of guaranteed money on it. No, after this year, he's there. They're out. Actually, is it? Yeah, yeah, this this is the year, too. He could be he could be a free agent after this season. Exactly. And I look at. The prime example are Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey. Those are the guys who went in the first round, the guys who were supposed to be the franchise changers, and they just couldn't live up to that because of the injuries that that hurt them. And I don't fault those players specifically. It's just what it is what it is at the running back position. Ezekiel Elliott plays such a physical style of football, and he's asked to be such a good pass blocker, which, to be honest with you, Steve, if I'm another team, I want him for his pass blocking skills, not necessarily what he does uh, in the run game. I'm with you. Um, and, and again, with Pollard, you got a two-headed monster. And Pollard's about 20 pounds lighter, so, you know, he's a different style. But it really is a great one-two punch, let's be honest. And last year, Pollard had 719 yards on the ground in 130 carries last year, plus another 337 in the air. He was over 1,000 yards. So, and you can understand why, because of his production, Cowboy fans want to see more Tony Pollard. Yeah, I, I think that if you had Tony Pollard and paired him up with, maybe you get somebody out of free agency, maybe you look to the 2023 draft class and say, we'll go young, and maybe we'll get the tech, we'll keep a guy in Texas from the Longhorns in Bajan Robinson with the Cowboys, get that next running back who's like kind of waiting, uh, you know, behind closed doors. Maybe that's the route you take if you're the Dallas Cowboys. Could be. Could be. I mean, that's, hey, drafting a running back is never a bad thing when you have control over them for uh, for four years. That's a it's a big deal, Adrian. Yeah, you have them on the rookie contract. You're not paying them much money. You're getting all the production early in their career. It's sad to say, right, because it's like, hey, let's use this running back as much as we can early in his career. Uh, forget all the injuries. Forget all the, you know, the, the hits he takes in a single season. We just want to get the most production we can out of that running back before we have to pay him that big deal. 100%. 100%. Uh, 29 now past the hour. As we continue here on Sports Talk, uh, you want to weigh in 505 6009. That's our telephone number 505 6009. As we continue here on the program, listen, there are going to be teams wanting Zeke. Uh, he won't get the dollars like he got the last time, and maybe he signs a two or three year deal with somebody else and has a chance to be part of a timeshare. 
Yeah, I feel like you have to always look at the desperate teams at that point. Like, let's say a team like Cleveland fell below expectations and they're ready to move on from not necessarily Nick Chubb, but maybe Kareem Hunt. They they uh, pair, uh, you know, maybe uh, Nick Chubb in that scenario with a guy like Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, if you see a team like the Las Vegas Raiders fall below expectations, not necessarily re-sign Josh Jacobs in their backfield. He's playing on the franchise tag. Yep. He might not be with them next year. Maybe Zeke goes to Vegas. I mean, there are a lot of options, and it's usually that team that gets desperate in the offseason who wants to make that next step, so they start signing players left and right and not really think about who the player actually is. That's true. That is very true. Bottom of the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk. Again, 505-6009. You can also tweet the show, 600 ESPN El Paso. Getting a lot of tweets from that uh, T-shirt you sent out yesterday from the Texas game back in 08. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, I talked to Voice of the Miners. I just shot a text to Voice of the Miners, John Teicher, this morning. I was thinking of him, and I, I just said, hey, you know, I'm I'm thinking about doing something about the sellout possibility for UTEP because, you know, it's something we, we've talked about, we hit on, you know, time and time, but have we really let that sink in? Like, no. A sellout at the Sun Bowl for an opening game against North Texas, and the last one you find was against Texas in 08. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to kind of reminisce on that 08 game and what it was like to see a sellout at the Sun Bowl. Where'd you find the T-shirt? Oh, I, I mean, I found that first on eBay, but I remember buying it at the time. Really? So, yeah, I was. You had that shirt? Yeah, I had that shirt for sure. You yeah. know where it went over the last 15 yeah, years? I, I mean, it's probably like in a storage thing at, at home, at my parents' home or something like that. Uh, storage bin, I would guess. Um, I, I have seen those around i'm not kidding i have seen those around at like goodwill and like savers and really stuff. i should have purchased it when i've when i've uh done those kind of like thrift store shopping i haven't seen that then again i haven't been to a savers and goodwill in a while i need to go check that out i guess part of the fun of going to savers and goodwill is you never know what kind of cool utep stuff you're gonna find exactly that and you know i was there for a different reason i was trying to look for some like used clubs or mm. something like that but uh when i was looking at the orange that stuck out to me right away and i was thinking to myself did i buy this shirt and i i talked to my parents i think at, right after that and they were like yeah i think everybody bought that shirt uh they i think they sold them at like walgreens steven mm. am i wrong on this i don't remember they, they would sell them at some store for pretty cheap and a lot of people ended up taking that one right there wow, that's pretty cool all right bottom of the hour let's get our last sports center update adrian standing by and then we'll come back with our final 30 minutes here on 600 espn el paso